You're listening to the Rocky Mountain UFO Podcast with Doc Pearson. What has made mankind is an insatiable curiosity. Insatiable. What is that? Nobody knows. The phenomenon. Nobody's ever done this as far as I know. It's a huge amount of work, a huge amount of data and equipment. That has never been done. Whatever this is, is more complex than we could ever imagine. This is a first in the field of ufology. The variety of devices we're bringing as a team to study the phenomenon covered an entire spectrum of different technologies in real time. That moment shook me to the core because I knew my life was about to change again. I think we're going to have like a couple of really, really good spots. When I hear that you've assembled a team of top scientists using state-of-the-art equipment, I say to myself, it's about time. This is an unidentified, unclassified new phenomenon. Wow, Tic Tacs. Maybe Tic Tacs. Maybe. Caught on our cameras, yep. that's incredible. Crazy. It isn't crazy, it's crazy. It's crazy. We can go from body heat to very cold, like about minus 62 Celsius or minus 80 Fahrenheit. Wow. We will be transmitting data up to 800 terahertz in frequency. Our highest technology is up around 500 gigahertz. I can't tell you how much I'm looking forward to seeing what you've uncovered. triangulating and converging at two points, the same object. It's, it's gone, it's gone, it's gone. gone. It's friggin' gone. Got something over Catalina. We need you up here. We could be heading towards the biggest see I told you so in history. That's what we need, the smoking gun that'll clinch it, that once and for all will settle the debate. No ifs, ands, or buts. And in the process, rewrite all of human history. Is this the wormhole? It's insane. I'd like to welcome Carolyn Corey to the Rocky Mountain UFO podcast and YouTube channel. Thanks for joining us today, Carolyn. Uh, Carolyn's an award-winning filmmaker, futurist, and visionary author of best-selling books on consciousness and energy medicine, topping the charts of consciousness, science, and mystical literature as a child and throughout her life. Corey has had numerous ESP and precognition experiences, which led her to become deeply connected in existential topics. Study of consciousness and the mechanics of the universe. After teaching energy medicine and consciousness in media platform that tackles various thought-provoking topics on the human condition and the nature of reality. In addition to writing and producing, Corey continues to lecture and coach internationally on various mind over matter subjects and appears regularly as a guest expert in supernatural phenomena and major conferences and television shows, including the Unexplained with William Shatner and History Channel's popular series, Ancient Aliens. Among several recent accomplishments, Corey's latest film, Among Us, has won nine film awards and two nominations at various festivals 
around the globe. Today, we're going to be talking about Corey's latest film, which is titled The Tear in the Sky, in just a moment. But first of all, Corey, I'd like to talk to you about kind of your history, how you got involved in this phenomena, how you got involved in filmmaking. You've got a, a really interesting backstory. So I think it'd be fun for our listeners to hear about that. Hey, Darren, thanks for having me. Yeah, so I started out organically, really, at a very young age when I was five. I had this experience where I could see the subtle energy, I could see beings and things like that. But it was, it wasn't scary. It wasn't like ghosts or anything. It was very pleasant. In fact, uh, it was more pleasant than what I was experiencing with humans. (laughs) It was like, oh, that's how it's supposed to be feeling. But anyway, that kind of got me uh, interested in how is it possible that I could see things or you know tap into things and others didn't of course at the time I thought everybody did that all kids did that but later on I realized no (laughs) not everybody's doing that so what is it like how does it work what does my brain have to do to see things or sense things when others didn't and so that got me interested in the field of consciousness first and I had many uh, uh, experiences with UFOs as well. And so, um, and contact, you know, experiences. And so, so that whole world, you know, of paranormal has been very organic for me, you know. And so, uh, so of course, in school, I studied psychology to make sure there was nothing wrong with me. Uh, that I wasn't totally crazy. Uh, but uh, of course, I had more and more validation. That's what happens. You work, you think something is going to happen and it does happen. Or so, so that gave me a lot of confidence that I wasn't crazy. I wasn't making things up and meeting so many people from around the world, you know, who had similar experiences. It's like, is it possible that we're all crazy? Even if millions of people were crazy, that by itself should be important enough as a phenomenon to study. You know what I mean? So that's been my fascination and my, um, so so I developed uh, methodologies, you know, for expanding the consciousness of energy medicine, uh, working on the body energetically and things like that. And eventually because of all the validations I thought, wait, this needs to go more mainstream. I mean, you know, this, this, the fact that mainstream science doesn't understand it all doesn't mean it's not real. It just means that they haven't gotten there. They, you know, uh, they only know what a percentage of the brain. They only know 5% of the universe. So they just, you know, if they don't have clear answers, it just means um, it's coming, you know? And so that's why I said, I want to put this information out there in the form of films, because that's what most people are attracted to. It's easier to digest and, uh, to bring it, to bring validation and credibility. Let's use current science to see how much of it is measurable, repeatable, um, and so on and so forth. And that's how all my films came about. Yeah, your film Superhuman, you have got some incredible footage in that. I think if people haven't watched that, you need to go watch it because 
it looks like you're using special effects, but kids and some of the people that you put under um, investigation, it's amazing the video you were able to capture. Could you tell us some of the kind of crazy, kind of woo-woo stuff about that? Because I think if people watch it, they're going to be like, wow, this can't be true. It's so wild. Well, that's what I thought. And people have to know that I'm not like, even though I've had my experiences my whole life, but I'm a skeptic in the sense that I each time I want to start with a clean slate and make sure that I'm discerning correctly, that, you know, it's not my own hopes or projections. And so when I first saw the kids in England, I thought, oh, for sure, there's something, you know, like I, I want, I'm making a film that should bring credibility. So I need to go check it out myself because there's a lot of stuff on YouTube and people think, oh, there's a trick where you can, it looks like you can do it. The fact that you can do a trick that looks like you can do it doesn't mean that you also can't do it for real. So basically, uh, I I went to London because I was in Europe at the time also, and I um, uh, and I saw the kids myself. I would you know pick up a, an object or write something on a piece of paper, so they didn't know what I was holding, what I was going to bring up to them. They're completely blindfolded um, and they would know exactly what it is. They could read. So the people who would say, oh, they were rehearsed or there's a hole. And I mean, come on, <laughs> you right. know, I mean, I was there. Uh, there is nothing wrong with the, with the masks. Um, and also they see things behind their back. So hello, <laughs> you yes. know, so, so that's why more and more evidence and it's not just reading and it, I mean, they're playing ball, they're on bicycles and, you know, skateboards, even if you're wearing a mask that's, you know, and you have, a, even if you're cheating or faking, whatever, you try to ride a bike, you know, or play ping pong, you know, with a mask on your eye, it, this is all real. And so and when i spoke with them it wasn't just that they were able to do this they spoke like like evolved beings you see like you start to see the whole um, package uh it's not a trick it's something that's happening in their consciousness that's making them so much more aware they talk about past lives they talk about you know, it's not, there's, you can tell when a kid is using their imagination and faking, and you can tell when they're speaking from memory. And so it's just fascinating. And so because of that, I was like, okay, if these kids can do it, who else can do it? And so I, you know, investigated other groups and sure enough, there's groups all over the world who do this sort of training. And to me, that was so mind blowing because this tells us that if you are able to basically retrain, reprogram your brain to see without your eyes, what else could you, what else could you do? And again, it's demonstrated. You're, you're holding stuff behind their head, behind their back. Mm -hmm. how, how does that work? You know? So, so that's why to me, this film, Superhuman, everybody should see that film. It's crazy is uh, so empowering and so mind-blowing to think that we are capable of doing something like this. Yeah, it's amazing. It's almost like 
the force from the Star Wars movies coming to life, or like the X Men movies with the kids at the the academy. Remember, in a few of those X Men movies where you had kids with special powers in these uh, private schools, you know, with other kids like that. So it it does make you wonder how many more kids and people like that out there with those crazy abilities. You probably remember was it Yuri Geller back in the day? He did the yeah. spoon bending yeah. or fork bending and that kind of thing. Kind of reminds me of that too, where you had people like that that did some wild things, and you could, you know, people would observe them and film them, and they couldn't really explain it. So, yeah, I, and sometimes like people, people don't realize this is very subjective. So, in other words, it has a lot to do with with the state of being. So, some days, and that's the reason why a lot of scientists dismiss it because they want repeatable results, like the same thing every single day from everyone. And it doesn't really work this way. In fact, um, you know, the blindfold thing, all the groups that I've discovered around the world, they have different techniques. They have different, they use different methods. They don't use the same method, but yet arrive to the same conclusion, which I mean, the same result, which is to be able to see with the blindfolds. And so, so that tells you that it's not a specific mechanical thing. I mean, it is a mechanical thing, but how you get there has to do with you. And so that's, and that, so you meaning uh, the way you meditate, the way you focus, the way you set your intent, you know, all of that subjective stuff. And science doesn't like that. It's like, what? You know, it's like, right. and, and so that's the reason why some days you're going to, you know, do telekinesis and make the thing, you know, revolve, you know, kind of go crazy, even at a distance, even in a vacuum, you can do that. But the next day, you know, it's you're in a different state of consciousness, and maybe you'll do a little bit or it doesn't work, but then it works again. So so that's what we're dealing with here is like, the science of consciousness, and the mechanics of it is a whole different world to try to apply the Newtonian laws, for example, to explain something like this. It just doesn't work. Right. You have to, you have to right. really, yeah. That totally makes sense because you have an athlete, say a basketball player that could shoot 20 free throws in a row on one day and the next day not make any, right? You know, are yeah, they talking about, exactly. you know, exactly. like a golfer getting the yips, you know, if you're golfing, a great golfer all of a sudden can't hit the ball at all. So exactly. same thing, it's, How is it's that possible? your mind, yeah. right? So yeah, that makes total exactly. sense to me, what you're saying. Exactly. There. And so, but you know, so, and some, some skeptics are going to pick on the one day where you didn't hit the ball and say, oh, blah, blah, blah. No, wait a minute. If you hit the ball, I mean, not hit the ball, but if you're able to read behind your head, the head or whatever, only once, right? that's right. good enough evidence that you're breaking the laws of the universe. I mean, the of physics or, you know, um, you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, for you sure. shouldn't be able to do it ever, ever. Right. In fact, to right. me, the fact that it is, uh, that it changes like that is more proof because mm -hmm. it means it's real. It means that there is a correlation. There is an interaction between your individual consciousness and what you're doing. It's not some, if it's a trick, mm -hmm. then it, you should always be able to do it exactly the same way. Right, exactly. I remember uh, back when I was in college, they used to have um, a hypnosis that would come and, and do a presentation or speak in front of a giant crowd. And he would pull somebody out of the audience and 
do that same thing where he would make the person standing in front of him invisible and the person that he brought up and hypnotized on stage could see through what was on the other side. And I, and everybody's like, how did they do that? Because it was, it, they were kids we knew in college. It wasn't like uh, somebody that was set up ahead of time. So it's the same example of what you're talking about. So it, it's crazy. I'm sure you, you're blown away when you were filming that movie. Yeah, totally. I mean, and also uh, in that film, like we invited people who had nothing to do with any of this. And we literally trained them to uh, to do telekinesis, for example. They've never done it before. So like they got a crash course or remote viewing crash course in two hours or so. Okay, just do this, meditate this way, focus that way. And we were filming live. So there's no tricks. There's no cutting. There's no editing, you know. Mm -hmm. And the person is able to, you know, you in the movie, you go through what they're going through and how they find a way to, to adjust to what they're supposed to be doing, even though they've never done it before. And so, uh, and then they managed to do it. And so that's why I really like this film because it wasn't some study that was done years ago by somebody else. And you're just commenting, you are seeing it live on camera under laboratory conditions when we have controls and we have measurements and we have uh, repeatable results that's scientific you know and oh, yeah. so that's why i'm very very i'm very excited about and this is just we're just scratching the, the surface here but i'm very excited about superhuman it's like it, it's gone where no one's gone before that's awesome the uh the movie men is it men who stare at goats uh, with George yeah. Clooney. <laughs> that movie was based, I think, on Hal Putoff and his remote viewing right. over at Xerox Spark. I think is where they kind of right. did that, or they started to develop that. And then Major Ed Dames has made a right. you know, pretty good career off of teaching people how to do remote viewing, and he has classes and everything like that. So there are ton, that's tons, you know, I would say millions of people that have probably had things come through that definitely verifies what you've caught on film. So it, it's pretty yeah. amazing. It's probably, you know, 100 years from now, they'll probably have it figured out. But right now, it's really exciting to see more and more people get into this, right? Yeah, for sure. It's actually got a great impact because I still get all these emails and messages from people like, oh, my God, you know, like, I, I'm so empowered and I changed my life and, and people from all over, like, and I'm talking not people necessarily that we think, you know, are in the new age thing. No, like, I, I get like, judges mayors lawyers people that you think and in fact they tell me that i i wasn't into this but i stumbled on your film and it started to remind me that you know i saw this and i did that so it's very interesting what this film is doing so no it's awesome yeah, very... we'll put a link to the film in our show notes so people can get to it because it's it's just amazing. I just wanted to mention that during this interview because I, I was really impressed with that film and you did a great <laughs> job with it. You had mentioned where no man has gone before. So that's a perfect segue into talking about William Shatner and the unexplained. And he's also the narrator of your new film, A Tear in the Sky. He does an amazing job. How was it to work with William Shatner? He's not the narrator. He's a, he's actually a guest 
star, you know, guest, special guest in the film. More of the host, actually, more of the narrator, uh, not narrator, sort of leading the story. But so what happened in this new film, A Tear in the Sky, uh, what I wanted to do is a little bit the same as what I've done with Superhuman in terms of uh, UFOs. Okay, so, you know, let's not rehash the whole conversation, you know, the government this and they're lying. What is the solution? What can we do? We need to collect data. And so, so again, instead of analyzing other people's footage, I set out to create a from scratch in a, an expedition uh, with a scientific team to see how would we go about it scientifically to prove that these are anomalous events, that it's not crazy, we're not crazy, that there is something going on. So we set up this expedition. We have the guys from the Navy who were on the ship in 2004. You know, the Navy released all these this footage. So we got the guys who were firsthand witnesses, you know, from that ship. They had put together a team with scientists. So we said, let's go out and do this expedition with a crazy amount of, of equipment. So not just equipment, but different location to achieve correlations and triangulation. I mean, never been done before, never in this world. And so we have that, we're collecting amazing stuff. And then I was like, you know, we need, uh, we didn't need, but it was like, it would have been nice to have this extra personality who kind of helps bridge the gap, you know, between mainstream, you know, the UFO fans and stuff like who can do that? Who can make sci-fi, who can help us make sci-fi into real science, which is what we were attempting to do. And of course, you know, <laughs> the person that comes to mind is William Shatner. Um, I had a connection there. So I, I, uh, I asked, of course, he's, he's huge. I mean, he's a, he's a legend, you know? Right. And I thought if it works, great. If he's available, great. If not, it is what it is. And sure enough, he liked the project. And it was phenomenal that, you know, so he's, he's just commenting on the things that we've captured and giving his insight. So he adds that component of the mainstream looking into this world of space travel and UFOs and things like that. I think it worked out great. Oh, I bet you I'm excited to see it. So he's, uh, he's a living legend. He's been in science fiction, UFO, that genre for 50 years or longer i mean he's a legend so longer that was quite a quite a coup to get him can you talk about i was looking at the cast and it's just amazing the the people that you were able to put together can you talk a little bit about some of the other guests that people are going to get to see in the film yeah so so i the first person that caught my attention was kevin day because he was one of the witnesses direct witnesses of the 2004 nimitz encounter he was the radar guy who saw it on his radar first and so i spoke with him and we had a great conversation and he said that he had put a team together with scientists and so he also had kind of a similar hope and dream to go out and see, can we get any sort of evidence of what we've seen, you know, in 2004. And so he had a couple of scientists on board and he teamed up with, you know, some of his uh, shipmates. So, so when we spoke, I thought, oh, well, these guys want to do the same thing. So why don't I, you know, kind of see if we can team up and go out and 
do this from scratch. So we decided it has to be scientific. It has to be kind of something that no one's ever done before. Uh, one person on the team, David Mason, had a huge, uh, had a huge amount of equipment. I mean, crazy. I mean, you saw in the trailer and people will see that more in the film, uh, the technology, the inventions that he had, uh, that was a blessing because he literally donated, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of equipment for us to use. And so, so, so it was like a perfect combination of having the Navy guys, the scientists and David Mason's and this sort of equipment. Um, I mean, to me, it was a no brainer. I mean, that's what we should be doing. And so we go out for five days, five days. Mm -hmm. I mean, what are the odds that we're going to capture something? I was like, please, you know, like, just let us have one thing. Oh my God, Darren, we ended up having capturing amazing stuff, like crazy stuff way 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 beyond the stuff that you see on youtube is nothing compared with some of the stuff that we've captured now so, and then we captured on multiple throughout multiple instruments from different angles that's crazy that's what so i'm sure people are wondering where did you get the title a terror in the sky because it's an awesome oh. title but so i know it's it's a teaser probably for what we're gonna see but um i love the title of the film it's so funny, but everybody asks me that question. And I had this thought like two years ago because I, because of my personal experiences, I feel that there are, that our space is not random. I feel that there is a sort of pattern. There's sort of, sort of a geometric alignment with, with, you know, the planet itself and within the planetary system. And I see it as a network, as a grid. And I see it as their specific points that are hub, like hotspots or hub points that, um, that kind of, that allows you to be in like, to, to kind of cross over from somewhere into our space time and then back somewhere else. You know, they're kind of like miniature black holes, wormholes. And so I see them uh, everywhere. And so I've always had that, to me, that sort of, uh, you know, reality, um, the fabric of reality explains a lot. It explains how we see UFOs appear and disappear, how we see beings or how we communicate, uh, how space travel should be, that it should be through wormholes and not, you know, through a propulsion system, you know, like going in a linear fashion, you know. So I've always believed in this and I look at them as openings in the sky so of course opening is not very sexy where you know for a film title and so i've always so, so to me that is what i want to discover i want to talk about i want i want to like know more about and so i've made this title and sure enough uh at the end of the film i mean people are gonna have to see that for themselves i mean we record some crazy anomaly that that nobody can figure out you know it's in the film people see how we went about it um that looks like something that opens and closes and then there's like physical objects there so you know we're gonna let people uh, see how that unfolded but what is that <laughs> you know so it ended up kind of matching the title but that was 
two years ago, you know? And uh, so anyway, that's kind of a funny little story there. Well, that's wild. It reminds me a little bit of Skinwalker Ranch too. I'm sure you've heard those stories where they yeah. say it was like, um, like there was a rip in the sky or a tear or a portal. Crazy things would come in and out. And it would, it seemed very intelligent also. Like it wasn't random. Like something was controlling it. So from the yeah, other side, because sure. they had a hard time in those Skinwalker Ranch films. There's been a few of them where people talk about, they always have a hard time catching anything on video. So it's awesome that you guys were able to document it because it's, I know they spent an enormous amount of time at that Skinwalker Ranch and, and it didn't seem like they got a lot on film from, unless I'm missing something, but you know, I've watched a lot of those videos and there's a little bit on, but I'm excited yeah. to see what you guys get. So you might have to do a part two at that Skinwalker, <laughs> Skinwalker Ranch. Uh, for sure. But I, I think the next season coming up, they have a little bit more things on camera. If I, uh, if I understand correctly, I mean, they're also, I think, opening in May sometime uh, the next season. So we'll see what that is. But right. yeah, they haven't been able to actually like see, you know, or sometimes it's like a little thing, you know, right. but then what is that? Yeah. So, it's on history channel and then the next it's season three now that's opening that's starting in may I heard that they got more on tape this time so we'll see what that is yeah that'll but, be exciting uh, to see for sure yeah. but we already got it and we already filmed it and we already yeah i mean it's pretty insane yeah you guys yeah. are first so i'm sure there'll be a lot of copycats <laughs> after you do it right i don't know if you can mention this but i was wondering what is the craziest thing that happened to you personally when you were making this film or in the process of making this film, a lot of, I hear a lot of crazy stories when people make um, films like this, that just weird things happen that are unexplained. Did you have any kind of personal experience that was like, this is pretty wild. You know, some things would stop working, you know, in the middle. I mean, we've heard a lot of that. Uh, it was exactly, we had all, everything time stamped. So, and we have so much equipment from, you know, spectrum analyzers to cameras, to FLIRs, to, you know, all sorts of radiation detectors, all sorts of stuff. And so, 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 so we would have everything worked perfectly for one thing, but then like the things that, that we wanted to work, like, would break down exactly like a minute before, <laughs> you know, and it was odd The one, I mean, you'll see that in a movie, but um, it, it was, it was in the middle of the night. So like nobody was there. The power goes out exactly on those two breakers and nothing else, you know, just things, weird things like that, where we have two cameras pointing at the same thing. One can see it and the other one doesn't. Okay. Well, uh, you know, like what, right. <laughs> you know, things like that. So, so, so we did have those crazy moments. Um, I tried to focus. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, some of it uh, shows in, in the film, but uh, another personal thing is like from the beginning, I was like before filming, um, I was, you know, kind of doing my thing. Like, oh my God, this is like so much investment and time and effort and money. Like, what if nothing happens? <laughs> you know, mm. and I was like, I'm not going to let that happen. So I was like, you know, kind of doing my meditation, right? This and that. And somehow I knew, like, I kept kind of seeing July 14, July 14, July 4, it starts July. So, so we planned the expedition around that 
And sure enough, the first sighting was on July 14th. And wow. so, and I kept kind of like, kind of, yeah. So, so things like that kind of, this is more of a personal level that uh, things would happen. That was kind of cool. Do you think it's a combination or do you have a certain feeling that it's, you know, alternate reality or something like that? I don't know. I'm just curious what your thoughts are from spending so much time on this topic. Yeah, I think it's a multitude of things. It's not one thing. One thing is definitely human technology. I mean, there's no question in my mind, some of this stuff, especially the drone type things, um, I think is human made. Now who and what, you know, that gets like all the politics and who's gonna say it's black ops or black projects or whatever. But uh, that's, I'm very confident that that's part of it. But there are other types of phenomena that um, are atmospheric also that we haven't looked into, that we don't quite understand. Um, so there's that that was an additional thing to my thinking, because for originally it was more, okay, it's human and then there is alien technology. But I think some of it is somewhere in between and it's uh, the way the fabric of space time um, how plasma could appear as doing one thing and then it could behave a certain way. And we just don't understand that dynamic quite yet. So I feel that uh, that is new that I felt came out of making this film. Um, and I'm a hundred percent, a thousand percent sure there is some sort of extraterrestrial visitation as well because i've had too many like direct experiences uh and i know for example i can tell you a quick one one time uh it was right above my house and um i saw these uh three balls of light that were kind of like bouncing off of each other like that so i was like at the first thing I was like is that what it is am i making this up well maybe these are searchlights because it was labor day uh and i was like no that can't be because searchlights wouldn't be they would be like doing this you know and so i was like okay you know because i didn't want to like just right away you know and so so then i i like started to 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 kind of communicate i said if there is intelligence if there is uh intelligence behind this then and they're communicating you know obviously not through radio and things like that well let's see what happens so i started to to project my consciousness to what i was i was looking at and i said well if you are an intelligence then like do something to show me and all of a sudden the three balls uh, split into four then split into six then split into eight I was like, okay, that's cool. And now let's see what else. Can you follow me? So I started walking like in one direction, like literally like half a mile. And this thing was like hovering like right above me. It was so funny. And then I changed direction. I go in like north and I start walking this way, like a good half a mile at least. And the thing was like, you know, so how does that work? You see, so, so, so whether it's a human technology, but with extra, with something, you know, beyond science that allows this sort of communication, I don't know. I have a feeling it felt like a kind of like a, a craft of some sort that's intelligently, uh, obviously maneuvered. Um, 
that felt from another planet or another kind of um yeah from somewhere else that was in our uh, space time in our space so the idea if this is atmospheric thing then it wouldn't be intelligently you know navigated you know what i mean it wouldn't be operated by an intelligence you know what i mean it would just right. be some sort of cloud i don't know whatever plasma thing something doing crazy stuff and so that that's where you you're like okay and if these are humans you know and that have that sort of technology well the technology is definitely not of this earth because uh obviously look at our science i mean it's very primitive compared with what i'm we're talking about Right, especially if you're interactive with you with it with thought, right? You know, yeah, exactly. That, that like, doesn't make yeah. sense that it would be yeah. uh, just a meteor or whatever. Um, yeah. The other thing I wanted to ask you: Why do you think that Catalina Island area is so active with these sightings? Because I've read tons of different, you know, UFO UAP type encounters off of that Catalina Island area. Why do you think that's a hot spot? Yeah, like I was saying earlier, I believe there are those uh, nodes, you know, within our space-time fabric uh, that where the magnetic field is like so concentrated, it's like this magnet type energy. Um, and uh, what happens is if a craft, a craft would use that magnetism to kind of navigate, you know? So if they have an anti-gravity uh, type propulsion system, when you are in these nodes, of course, that's my theory, it, you know, it's mm -hmm. like, you know, uh, when you are in these nodes, then you can uh, propel, like you can be in other places instantaneously and also kind of, um, kind of, uh, wrap the that field around you so that light is bending uh my friend explained it to me the other day but that's kind of what i was uh, thinking that it would bend it so it, suddenly it would appear and then it would disappear and so and so because of that uh i feel like okay where are these nodes and you know they, they look like miniature black holes or wormholes or whatever and so so one of them i believe is uh, over the catalina channel and if you go back in history i mean since the 1960s uh it's been uh recorded there's so much that has been observed there underwater above water um and so and and also as you know the navy the 2004 you know, Nimitz encounter uh in that area and then subsequently the USS Omaha the USS Kit all in the same area so there is something that's allowing that sort of um you know anomalies to happen and it has to do with to me with the magnetic field creating these nodes so uh that's the reason why I think it's like we, we keep going. When there. you to ask a scientist, is it possible? Like, why are they in those particular area? They say, oh, because these areas, most people like it's more uh, condensed. Like it's more, there's a lot of people there. Therefore, there's a lot of people reporting UFOs. But I don't really agree because I know of areas in Utah was like nobody. And, you know, and there's a lot of activity there. And so almost on a regular basis. So, you know, I, so I believe in my theory, obviously, <laughs> uh, that there are specific nodes, specific hotspots, like you're saying. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Coming up for Carol and Corey, what do you have coming up in the future that you can tell your fans about that uh, we can look forward to? Well, this right now I'm still focused on this film and you know, I'm still blown away myself with the things that we were able to record, you know, on camera, again, creating all these correlations. So of course, we're going to build on that. You know, I already have ideas. Oh, my God, if we were able to do this in five days, you know, with this movie, now we should be doing that. So I have a few kind of follow up projects, uh, kind of along the same line, uh, but that are that will build on, you know, uh, science and of the paranormal, if there is such a thing. And so it's very exciting. I'm always on the go. There's always something else coming up. So people should just, but right now I'm so excited. People really should watch Tear in the Sky to get this additional perspective. And I think they will also kind of open up to, to new thoughts and ideas about this phenomenon. Well, that's amazing. Well, thank you very much for being on the show today, Carolyn. Well, thanks so much for having me. That was awesome. You're listening to the Rocky Mountain UFO Podcast with Doc Pearson. What has made mankind is an insatiable curiosity. Insatiable. What is that? Nobody knows. The phenomenon. Nobody's ever done this as far as I know. 